Welcome to eBible Fellowship's Sunday Bible Study. For broadcast times in your area of these studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now it's time to begin our Sunday study with your speaker, Chris McCann. Welcome to eBible Fellowship Sunday Afternoon Bible Study. Today we're going to be looking at what the Bible describes as Christ coming with 10,000 of his saints. And uh, in our last study, we saw how God relates 10,000 talents to Judgment Day and the overall likelihood that Judgment Day would be 10,000 days in length. We saw that in a parable that Christ gave in Matthew chapter 18, where um, the Lord came to reckon with his servants concerning the matter of a debt that was 10,000 talents. And it's just um, very interesting that God began to reckon with his servants, professed servants in the churches and congregations, on May 21, 1988, and very likely will finish reckoning with his servants October 7th, 2015, 10,000 days later. And, and so we, we at least saw in that parable that God relates the number 10,000 to Judgment Day. And um, 10,000 points to the completeness of the wrath of God. Well, it's also interesting that in several places in the Bible, the Lord speaks of coming with ten thousands of his saints. Uh, for instance, in Jude, the short um, one-chapter epistle right before the book of Revelation, it says in Jude 14, and I'll also read verse 15, And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. The Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. Now, uh, a little later, we're going to look more closely at the Greek word translated as ten thousands. But we also want to understand uh, correctly, biblically, who the saints are. And it's necessary for us to explain that each time that we discuss this because the church has so well indoctrinated um, the people of the world and and uh, e- even those within the churches other other individuals to think that saints are some special some um, super holy few individuals that the church selects and canonizes and makes a saint. And that is 
as far from the truth as anything could be. A saint is not uh, something that the church determines, but someone becomes a saint by God's determination when he chooses that person before the foundation of the world in uh, his predestination program. The elect are the saints. The elect are the saved people. Everyone that God saves. Everyone that has become saved all through history are the saints. Now, the uh, Greek word, uh, hegios, translated as saints, is also translated as holy. It uh, it could be um, it identically spelled. Uh, it it's the same word, and the King James translators translated it as saints when the word was by itself. So here in Jude fourteen, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of His saints, or it could be translated holy ones, because. It's the Greek word, Strong's number 40, holy. If the the word holy hagios is modifying another word, it is translated holy. For instance, holy scriptures is the Greek word hagios. Or holy ghost. The, the word holy, wherever we read holy ghost, is the Greek word hagios. Holy angels is the Greek word hagios. But where hagios is found by itself, it's translated saints. Saints, saints, because it's plural. And we see here in Jude, earlier in verse 3, it says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation... It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. The faith is Jesus. He he is the faith that justifies his people. And Jesus was once offered for the sins of his people At the point of the world's foundation, he was delivered to the saints, or delivered up for the sake of the elect. And, of course, he wasn't delivered up for angelic beings. He did not die for any angels, but he died for the seed of Abraham. He took upon him the the seed of Abraham, not angels. And... And Christ didn't die just for a handful of saints that they make statues to. Actually, probably the most, most of them, since the church, um, thinks they're so good and most of them probably weren't even saved. Christ was delivered for the elect. Well, let's look at several verses to get this very straight in our minds and if if anyone were to look up the word saints uh you would see quickly it's the believers it's the believers it's the believers in 
practically every place you look. But in Matthew 27, verse 52, and this is when Christ died on the cross, he yielded up the ghost, and it says in Matthew 27, 52, And the graves were open, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose. Now that tells us, since it's speaking of bodies that slept, that is, they were dead physically, they arose, they were resurrected. So it, a saint cannot be an angel. That's number one, because angels don't have bodies, and the good angels never died to arise, to be resurrected. They're not part of the equation. They're out of the picture. Saints are not angelic beings. They are God's elect, because it's God's elect that sinned and had their bodies in the graves. And in this case, the Old Testament saints who many of them were resurrected. And after his resurrection, they uh, came up out of the graves. In Romans chapter 1, verse 7, it says, To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a general address to God's elect within Rome. They're called to be saints because they're, they're chosen. They, uh, they've been blessed with salvation. In Romans chapter 8 verse 27, And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. It, it's, it's used as a word to express those that God has saved. Very commonly in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19. Now therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. In Ephesians 3, 17 and 18 that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ. With all the saints, and and the ten thousands of saints, all those that God has saved. Revelation 11, verse 18 is describing the final judgment. And it says, And the nations were angry, and thy wrath has come, and the time of the dead, that they should be judged, and that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants the prophets, and to the saints, and them that fear thy name small and great. Time to reward the saints. And um, Revelation 19 and verse 8 is the verse that guarantees that that is absolute in helping us determine exactly who the saints are. Revelation 19, verse 8, And to her, this is speaking of the bride of Christ, and the bride of Christ is everyone that God has saved. To her was granted 
that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. The bride of Christ is comprised of all the saints. So, there's no doubt, no question for anyone who allows the Bible to be their authority. Of course, there's always going to be people who doubt and people who question. But on this point, they would not be following the authority of the Bible if if they go against this cohesiveness, this, this uh, harmony of the Bible concerning who the saints are. There's no doubt, according to the Word of God, the Bible... When it says, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints, that the saints are all of God's elect, all that God has saved. And this agrees and matches um, the language that we find in many other places. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it says, beginning in verse 1, Dare any of you, having a matter against another, go to law before the unjust, and not before the saints. Do ye not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you. Now, I'll stop there. I'm going to finish reading, but there again, it it it's not speaking of one or two super holy individuals that uh, that are going above and beyond um the call and who could go above and beyond the call of God when God wants everything and who is doing anything special if they are offering up themselves and their very body um in service to God you're not doing anything special at all. You're doing what you ought to do, what duty calls for, because we were bought with a price and we're not our own. God calls everyone to live for him and to sacrifice their life for him, to offer up their body as their reasonable service. But but here, do you not know the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by saints, that's who was being referred to in the first part of the verse. But here it says, if the world should be judged by you, you, the reader, the child of God, are are the saints, because God is addressing his people. Well, I'll keep reading. Do you not know? that the saints shall judge the world, and if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? And isn't it interesting that we have learned recently, we, we've, uh, by God's grace, understood that when it says in Matthew twenty four thirty six of that day and hour, and, and that's a reference to God's judgment, of that day and hour knoweth no man, neither the angels which are in heaven, nor, it says in Mark thirteen thirty two, 
it, it adds, nor the Son. We've understood that to mean that it's speaking of knowing in the sense of experiencing the judgment of God. And we we understood the reference to angels to be Satan and the fallen angels who had access to heaven until the cross. And then at the cross they were judged. And and so here God also is indicating that angels are judged and that God's people will judge angels. And this is referring to the final judgment of Satan and the fallen angels, the demons, that took place beginning on May 21, 2011. It's um, significant that that soon after May 21, 2011, when we entered into these days after that tribulation, that we began to learn from the Bible that it that Christ had uh, actually won the victory over Satan and his kingdom of darkness, Babylon, that Babylon had fallen, and we began to learn from the Bible and therefore to share it, to declare it with other people, that Satan was deposed. He was put down from all rule and authority, and uh, he had previously been um, conquering and, and overcoming the saints, and and uh, it, his rule was getting greater and greater in the church and in the world. And then suddenly, God's people began to see from the Bible that it was as though he was killed, just as when Cyrus took Babylon and the king of Babylon was slain in that very night. And and it was the Lord fulfilling this verse, God's people participating, involved in the judgment process because Christ comes with ten thousands of his saints, all the elect, and we began to judge angels to judge based on the word of God. It, you know, to judge according to the Bible is to make a determination to declare what the Bible, the word of God has to say concerning the matter. For instance, the, the churches and congregations came under the judgment of God and the Lord's people, the elect, saw it on the pages of the Bible and began to share that information. The the church is judged. The church is under the wrath of God. The church has fallen. The the uh, Holy Spirit has come out of the midst. And yet it's all judgment that is proceeding forth from the Bible. The Bible directs the judgment. And God's people share what the Bible proclaims. And likewise, the Bible began to show Satan is judged. He has been put down. He's no longer ruling with authority in the church or or the world. Christ began to rule beginning on May 21, 2011 with a rod of iron, a rule not for the benefit of the unsaved people of the earth, but to do them harm, to punish them. And uh, yet 
information came from the Bible that indicated the judgment of Satan. We learn from the book of Esther. As we were studying the book of Esther, this was one of the big truths, that Haman was hanged on the 17th day of the second month. We could show that from the book of Esther, and that day was the underlying date for May 21. It, it was the date that the flood began in the days of Noah on the 17th day of the second month, and then 7,000 years later came the day of May 21, 2011, when God shut the door to heaven. And in the book of Esther, it just so happens that Haman, who's a type and a figure of Satan, is hanged on that day, and his house is turned over to Mordecai, the house of Haman, and Mordecai typifies Christ, and yet there were ten sons of Haman that still lived on until the time of Purim, which would point to Judgment Day. So Satan is defeated. Uh, he He's uh, judged on May 21, 2011. He loses all spiritual authority and power, but he continues to exist until the completion of the overall judgment of God. And, and God's people see these things, understand these things, and in, and in doing so, we judge angels. We judge angels. Well, let's look at some other scriptures where God is speaking of judgment and his people. It, it's, um, a doctrine that we knew of previously. We knew that 1 Corinthians chapter 6 said that, that we would judge the world, but we had a misunderstanding concerning how that would transpire, how it would take place. We thought, and, and of course there was, um, a lot of misunderstanding concerning God's final judgment, how it would work out. We thought that it would be necessary for all the saints to be taken out of the world, for all the elect to be raptured and, and resurrected and, and then, um, to come with Christ, uh, with the final judgment for all the unsaved that are left. Well, no, that's not how it turned out. That's not how God planned it to be. And so uh, we're going to look at information that we have known for some time that Christ would judge with his people, but we're we're going to update it with our present superior vantage point and of learning much more from the Bible we can see uh, in a much clearer way how God has planned this whole thing to uh, plan to uh, uh, judge the world with all the saints and, and the involvement of the saints. In Deuteronomy chapter 33, it says, beginning in verse 1, And this is the blessing wherewith Moses, the man of God, blessed the children of Israel before his death. And he said, Jehovah came from Sinai and rose up from Seir unto them. He shined forth from Mount Paran 
and he came with ten thousands of his saints. From his right hand went a fiery law for them. Yea, he loved the people. All his saints are in thy hand. There it is again. Jehovah. And, of course, that's further confirmation. Not that it's necessary. Further confirmation, Christ is Jehovah. The Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints. Jehovah comes or came with ten thousands of his saints. And he loved the people. It's it's all of his people. All his saints are in thy hand. And the hand represents the will of God. It goes on to say, And they sat down at thy feet. Everyone shall receive of thy words. Now that's that's curious that God is speaking of the end of the world. That That's clearly what's in view when we read of him coming with ten thousands of his saints. Um, it, it's it's mentioned in many other places or several other places and and it's always the end of the world yet we understand why he says he loves his people because these are all that he has loved the elect are beloved and and that we understand they're in his hand because um they're saved by his uh will and they desire to do his will And yet, why is God speaking of them sitting down at his feet and receiving of his words when he's describing judgment day? They sat down at thy feet. Everyone shall receive of thy words. What does receiving of the word of God have to do with Christ coming with ten thousands of his saints. Well, first of all, what does it mean to sit down at Jesus' feet? Remember that beautiful account in the New Testament, in the Gospel of Luke, um, where Martha was cumbered about with much serving. And it, well, I'll just read it in Luke 10, beginning in verse 38. Now it came to pass, as they went, that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving, and came to him, and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary has chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. That is, to sit at Jesus' feet is a good thing and needful. And and what does it mean when Mary sat at Jesus' feet? She heard his word and the word of Christ is the Bible and therefore the saints are sat down at 
Christ's feet, God's feet, and receive of his words, and somehow it's in association with God coming with ten thousands of his saints. And we wonder now, how does that tie in to the end of the world judgment day that Christ comes with ten thousands of his saints? Well, God gives us more information in Psalm 149. Psalm 149, um, the, the saints are in view. This, this is a different word that's found in Deuteronomy 33, but definitely the same group of God's elect. And it, it is a word that means saints. In Psalm 149, verse 1, Praise ye Jehovah. Sing unto Jehovah a new song and his praise in the congregation of saints. And verse 4, For Jehovah taketh pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. And that's, we've learned who the saints are, all those that God has saved. Verse 5, Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud upon their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. And what does a two-edged sword represent in the Bible? It represents the Word of God. Well, here's the saints. They have a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance upon the heathen. And the word heathen is the word nations. To execute vengeance is is another way of saying they bring judgment. God says in Romans, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And and that's true. And vengeance is taken by God in the day of wrath, in the day of his final judgment. We're living in the time of God's vengeance. And God's people are judging with him. Therefore, we're with the word of God, because the word is Christ. The word is expressing the vengeance of God, and the word is in the mouth, in the hand of the people of God, the saints, and therefore, to execute vengeance upon the heathen, the nations, and punishments upon the people to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron. Now, now here's the very important um, verse that ties in with what Deuteronomy 33 told us, that uh, the saints sat down at the feet of God as they, in connection with coming, um, the ten thousands coming with Jehovah, It says in Psalm 149, verse 9, Speaking of the saints, who are all the elect, to execute upon them the judgment written. The judgment written. That's why they're sitting down at the feet of Jehovah, to receive his words. We're we're not doing anything of our own, out of our own minds. We're not making these things up concerning a shut door. Where did we read about a shut door? Did we have a dream or or see a vision? 
No, it's in Luke 13, verses 24 and 25 and following in other places. When once the master of the house has risen up and has shut to the door, then there'll be those without um, saying, Lord, Lord, let us in, open the door. And that's the word of God, the Bible. We're sharing the word of God, the Bible. And therefore, we're participating in the judgment. We are involving ourselves in the execution, the carrying out of God's final judgment of the unsaved people of the earth. We are executing upon them the judgment written. Same thing when we speak of the light of the gospel going out or the water drying up. All these things are coming forth from the Bible. Remember um, what it said in Jude. In verse 14, at the end of the verse, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. Then verse 15, To execute judgment upon all, and to convince all that are ungodly among them of their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed, and so forth. To execute judgment upon all. That is the honor, it says here back in Psalm 149.9, this honor have all his saints. Praise ye Jehovah. And I recently heard uh, Mr. Camping uh, do a study on uh, the book of Judges, Judges 4, with Deborah and Barak. And um, uh, Barak came, it so happens, with 10,000 men against uh, the enemies. And it was a picture of Judgment Day. And uh, and Mr. Camping went to this verse in Psalm 149.9 and pointed out that that it says, this honor have all the saints. And, and, and Mr. Camping, this was done years ago, that study, was um, discussing how God uses his saints, his people, to judge with him in the day of judgment. But of course, at that time, Mr. Camping did not have the information that we have today. He, he didn't know how that would work out at that point. He didn't understand that the saints, the elect, would be left on the earth in the day of judgment to go through the, the judgment fire. And, and so, uh, the, actually at that time there were several things that had not yet been opened up to the understanding of the people of God and Mr. Camping. But as I said earlier, we've known for a long time that God judges with his people. And he went to this verse and he pointed out this honor have all his saints. You know, you, you find at this time when people hear that we're going on track trips or or we're uh, sharing this information, advertising it, and people hear that there's no more salvation, and they say, why bother? 
What's the point? What are you doing this for? And sometimes they even make a, a charge or an accusation and, and, uh, or at least imply we're trying to get some, uh, wicked pleasure out of the suffering of others by telling them the door is shut and there's no salvation for you. And of course, that's nowhere near the truth. Uh, you know, uh, God's people have loved ones, each one of us. Some of us have children that in all appearances are unsaved themselves. And there's nothing we would want more or desire more than to bring them a drop of gospel water, just a drop, just just the possibility that God still might save. It is our longing and and many of God's people have wept and shed tears that there is no more salvation for our own families and for those that we care for and love. So there, there's no evil kind of perverse pleasure that, that the saints, the people of God are taking. You know, God has no pleasure in the death of the wicked and, and nor do his people take any pleasure in the death of the unsaved? There, God had pleasure in those that he elected to salvation. They're chosen according to his good pleasure. But there's no pleasure taken in the final destruction of the sinner. And, and this is all part of that final destruction, judgment day. But God's people do rejoice in the word of God, in truth. It is honey to our mouth, although bitter in our belly. And when we're commanded to prophesy again, we're prophesying bitter things. We know things that are grievous to to declare. Yet the Bible tells us it is an honor to participate in the execution of the judgment written. Now notice uh, also that it says in Psalm 149.9, This honor have all his saints. And we saw in Jude, Christ the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints. Deuteronomy 33 told us Jehovah comes with ten thousands of his saints. And uh, the number ten or hundred or thousand or ten thousand points to the completeness of what is in view. In this case, it's all the saints, the complete number of the saints. And it's proved uh, when we go to Zechariah 14. And uh, it says at the end of uh, verse 5 of Zechariah chapter 14, um, And Jehovah my God shall come and all the saints with thee. All the saints Come, or in the New Testament, in First Thessalonians, chapter three, verse thirteen, to the end he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all His saints. And uh, there again, in the Old Testament, it says Jehovah. New Testament, we read it's the Lord Jesus Christ. It's all the saints. And God did come 
May 21, 2011, with all the saints, because on one hand, it was the completion of God's salvation program, the salvation of all the saints, that then permitted God to um, shut the door of heaven and to end salvation for the world, to bring about the spiritual judgment on the earth, and it permitted God to put out the light of the gospel because the gospel was unnecessary any longer. It was unnecessary to evangelize any further uh, due to all the lost sheep of the house of Israel having been found. So we're instrumental, all the saints, from the first Abel all the way to whoever that last one was that was saved right before the door shut. And, and all in between, every one of us is, um, instrumental in God's judgment in that sense. So the saints that are in glory that died long ago, they're, um, participating in, in that way. And of course, the vast majority of saints of those that God saved, the great multitude that no man could number, but according to the language of the Bible, it was tens of millions of saints, tens of millions of people that God saved in the little season of the Great Tribulation, are still living, alive on the earth, and and waiting, patiently waiting, for God to complete the the judgment written, to to finish the judgment written upon the unsaved. And the judgment written... It tells us of its nature, spiritual judgment to begin with, what that means, that there's no more salvation. And we've learned from the Bible a likely time duration of 1,600 days for the final judgment of all men, but an overall 10,000 days for the final judgment of unsaved man as a whole, including those within the church. And and that would mean October 7th, 2015 is the 10,000th day, the very likely, there's a strong likelihood, the day God completes the judgment written. And he would have revealed as part of that judgment the overall timeline for uh, the carrying out of the judgment and and all the saints have this honor to participate through uh, being one of those that God has saved or if they're still alive they they can participate as God opens their understanding to these things and they begin to share it they begin to uh tell others uh the things that they are learning or in other words to do what saints do what they've always done, to learn truth from the Bible and then to share that truth with those around them. Now, uh, let's go back to Jude. And, and again, I mentioned the word translated as ten thousands earlier. Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. And there's a Greek word. It's Strong's number 3461, that's translated as ten thousands. It, it, uh, it, it's myriads, 
myriads of of his saints, myriads of his saints, and the King James translators translate it as ten thousands. Just as in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy 33, there is a word there that is Strong's number 7233 in the Hebrew, and it's translated as many, million, multiply, ten thousand. It's actually uh, an equivalent to the word myriad that we have in uh, used here in Jude. Well, this word myriads or myriads is also found in Hebrews chapter 12, in Hebrews 12, and in verse 22, it says there, But ye are come unto Mount Sion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. An innumerable company is a translation of myriad, of that Greek word uh, that's translated ten thousands. And, but here it says an innumerable company or myriads of angels. And uh, we, we've, uh, of course, learned from the Bible that the Greek word translated angels, angelos, is a word that uh, most often should have been translated as messenger or messengers. And that's true here because it's speaking of the true believers. It's the city of the living God, heavenly Jerusalem, is where the elect dwell. Every everyone that becomes saved becomes a part of that city. At verse twenty three goes on to mention the general assembly and church of the firstborn. That's that's God's elect. And therefore the innumerable company of angels is referring to God's elect, just like the word saints refers to God's elect. And this could be translated into ten thousands of angels. Ten thousands of angels. Uh, and uh, angels would be a reference to God's elect, just like ten thousands of saints is a reference to God's elect. Now, it's interesting that uh, in some places we read of the Son of Man, the Lord Jesus Christ, coming with angels rather than uh, it being said he's coming with saints. And yet we, we've seen from these other scriptures that it is God's plan to come in judgment with the saints. Why does it say that he comes with angels? In Matthew 16, uh, in verse 27, For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels. And then he shall reward every man according to his works. Or in Matthew 24, immediately after the tribulation, it says um, in verse 30, Then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Uh, at the end of verse 30, And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. 
No mention of saints. Christ coming with his angels. In Matthew 25, verse 31, When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. In this verse, the Son of Man shall come with the holy angels. The holy angels. Now we've seen language that tells us that the Son of Man, Christ, comes with all his saints, ten thousands of them. That that we've seen language that Christ comes with his angels. And now here's a verse that says that he comes with holy angels. Remember what we started off talking about, that the the Greek word hagios, translated as saints, is the same word translated as holy. It, it's, it's the identical Greek word. If this verse in Matthew 25:31 said, or if the verse did not have the word angels, if it said in all the the holy with him, the the Greek word hagios, tra- holy, would have been translated saints, and all the saints with him. Uh, it's the same word, and really this is saying. And angels is a word that means messengers. And all the saint messengers, or all the saints messengers. And and that doesn't sound uh, too good to our ears. It sounds awkward. So we would probably change it to all the saintly messengers. Or even better, to all the messenger saints. To all the messenger saints. Or all the messengers saints. It, it, it's the same word. It's telling us Christ is coming with his saints. And Christ is coming with his angels because they're one and the same. It's speaking of the same group. It is God's elect. It's all those that God has saved. The same thing, the same statement is made in Mark chapter 8 in verse 38. Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels, with the saints, angels. Christ is coming with his saints, and these angels are them. They're one and the same group. In the parallel chapter of Luke chapter 9, it says in verse 26, For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed, when he shall come in his own glory, and in his Father's, that is his Father's glory, and of the holy angels, that is the glory of the holy angels. This honor have all his saints. The word glory is tied to the holy angels 
as well as Christ and as well as the Father, because it is an honor that God has bestowed upon his people to judge the world with him, to judge angels with him, to execute the vengeance, to execute the judgment written. This honor have all his saints. It is a glory to the saved people, to all those that God has saved. It's the climax of his whole plan for this world. It's only a result of his completion of his salvation program that they are with him, that it is now time for judgment. God has done what he has said he would do in saving a people for himself, and now it's time to deal with the rebels, to deal with the sinners. And and God has his people who were adopted into his family, who became prophets, priests, and kings. He involves them in the judgment. In Revelation chapter 14, Revelation 14, we've seen this verse before, but it helps to read it in this context. In Revelation 14, God is speaking of Judgment Day, and um, I'll read verses 10 through 12. Beginning in verse 10, he says, The same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture, into the cup of his indignation, and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone, in the presence of the holy angels. The word holy is Strong's number 40, hagios, in the presence of the saints. If the word angels wasn't there, it would say saints. In the presence of the holy messengers, or the 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 messenger saints, and in the presence of the Lamb. This is when the cup of wrath is is of fire and brimstone is being poured out to the wicked, to the nations. God's people are executing the judgment with him. And it's done in their very presence. Psalm 37 tells us the wicked shall be cut off and your eyes will see it. God says to his people in verse 11, and the smoke of their torment ascendeth up for ever and ever, and they have no rest, day nor night, who worship the beast in his image, and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. So there is is language of wrath and judgment, and then of course this astounding statement follows in verse twelve. Here is the patience of the saints. The saints. That's the identical word, identical spelling, identical case as the word holy, uh, back in verse 10, holy angels. It, it, it's spelled completely the same. And, uh, in the Greek, it, a word could be the same, but depending on the case or, or, um, various factors can change the ending of it. But this is identical in every way. That here is the patient, patience of the holy ones, of the saints, those holy angels 
spoken of back in verse 10 are still in view in verse 12 because God has um, left them on the earth to go through the judgment. It's all being carried out in their presence and it's also more than judging the unsaved, a severe test for them as they're going through the fire and and it's going to show, it'll reveal their ultimately um, whether gold, silver, precious stones or wood, hay, stubble. Here is the patience of the holy ones, the saints of God, the saints that have come with him in judgment. Yet these um saints, the great multitude, are still on the earth, still in their bodies, physical bodies, and therefore it's all part of God's plan to try them and test them. Well, let, let's just go to one last verse because we're running out of time. Uh, Lord willing, um, maybe in our next study we'll look more at Barak coming with ten thousands of his saints uh, in in the book of Judges. But to close this study, let's turn to Revelation chapter 9. And in Revelation 9, uh, where, where we read of five months and the locusts are, are, um, bringing torment to hurt the unsafe people of the world. And those locusts are the body of believers. God uses another picture of 200 million horsemen in Revelation 9. It says the end of verse 15 that they were loose to slay the third part of men. And then in verse 16, And the number of the army of the horsemen were 200,000 thousand. And I heard the number of them. And thus I saw the horses in the vision. And them that sat on them having breastplates of fire and of jacksith and brimstone. And the heads of the horses were as the heads of, of lions. And now their mouths issued fire and smoke and brimstone. By these three was the third part of men killed by the fire and by the smoke and by the brimstone, which issued out of their mouths. Notice it's coming out of their mouths because when you declare the word of God, when you share the things of the Bible, you speak them. It comes forth out of the mouth. And verse 19, for their power is in their mouth. And in their tails, for their tails were like unto serpents, and had heads, and with them they do hurt. Two hundred million, or here it says two hundred thousand thousand. And I heard the number of them. Well, that that Greek word in Jude, myriads, is found in verse 16. It's the word that is describing these horsemen. And literally, it's two myriads of myriads. And the translators translated ten thousands of ten thousands and then multiplied it to get the two hundred thousand thousand figure, the two hundred million. And and so again, they are translated myriads as ten thousands. Two, ten thousand times ten thousand. And you have 200 million. Now, this is speaking of, of course, God's elect coming with fire, smoke, and brimstone, coming forth 
out of their mouths, out of the mouths of their horses. It is their declaration of the judgment written. It It is the sharing of the things the Bible is saying. No one is pointing a finger at anybody else and saying, you're unsaved. No, that's forbidden. And, and God's people aren't involved in that. We're simply sharing. The door is shut. The light is out. There is no more water, not a drop, and so forth. And in doing so, it is an execution of the judgment God has written and hidden in his word until this time wherein he has, in the day of his wrath, revealed his righteous judgment of the unsafe people of the earth and 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 another thing before we close the myriads of myriads in other places when god wants to show just the complete number he just says myriads in jude or in hebrews 12:22 uh, it it's myriads it's Ten thousands, and ten thousands represents completeness of all the saints. So if God just wanted to illustrate that it's all the saints, he could have said here that the horsemen were myriads. But he says two myriads of myriads, and he gives us the number 200 million. And there's a a good probability that God is revealing the actual number of all the saints, of all those that he has saved. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship Sunday Bible Study. For more information or to hear additional Bible studies, be sure to visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com.